Hello and welcome to my next episode of my podcast, Dating Tips for Single Women. And today I have a very special lady with me, Susanna Matthews. Susanna, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited because we have something really juicy to discuss. <laughs> you don't know what's in store. So let me tell you a little bit about Susanna. She's a self-confessed love junkie and specializes in soulful, spiritual relationships, intergenerational dating, and high net worth relationships. She's also a keynote speaker, wedding officiant. Well, how convenient is that? And image consultant. I mean, it's just you have it all in one package. You can't, baby. <laughs> Once you have the man, you just have bring her to the wedding and she also yeah. consults you on the right dress. Full <laughs> service. Oh, that's so awesome. She recently authored a book entitled Revising Mrs. Robinson, in which she explores personal and cultural responses to romantic relationships between older women and younger men. Susanna believes that love favors the brave and is dedicated to helping people amplify their vibration in order to better attract, give, and most importantly, receive love. She works one-on-one -on -one and in small group settings using a blend of mindset tools, social strategies, and marketing and branding strategies to guide her clients to find love both within and with a significant other. So welcome, welcome, Susanna. I'm so excited to have you. Well, really, I'm really, really pleased well. to get to visit with you. And, and I just, I love your energy. I love the way you're serving people. So I feel really honored to be spending time with you today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's really such a special topic that, you know, there's a lot of like stigmas around and stories and fears. And I'm, I'm excited that you wrote a whole book about this. Yeah. And of course, I got to know, like, what made you write this book? What was like so special about diving deeper into younger ladies, uh, older ladies and younger men. Yeah. So I have always been interested in topics related to ageism and culture and sexism and culture. And that's just been something that I've been kind of intellectually curious about for well over 20 years. I've always kind of wanted to understand what are the particular biases or prejudices that people carry with them, whether it comes from their family or their religious community or just their wider culture. So that, that was kind of a, a first point of departure. Mm -hmm. And then in a previous career, I taught public speaking, theater and drama at the college level. And at that time I was in my thirties and I, and I was married and, but I noticed that younger men, sometimes who were my students would just kind of pay a peculiar level of attention to me. And I would think that is very strange and not really know what to attribute that to, but I, I found that kind of bizarre. And, and that does, you know, feed into a little bit of, I guess, a male fantasy that's pretty common in culture, that student-teacher dynamic. Yeah. But it wasn't until much later um, when I was going through a breakup and I was kind of beginning to think about dating and wanting to socialize, and suddenly it seemed like the men who were showing up and who were interested were these younger men. And so I kind of had to figure out, 
am I okay with this? Am I going to um, seek to engage with them? And, you know, how do I feel about this? And what about the way people are looking at me or the things that my friends are saying or the things that his friends are saying? And how do we absorb all those messages? And, and so that's really where I felt like I wanted to dive in and look at the social science research and gather other women's stories. Yeah. Ah, awesome. I love that. And I think we all have a story. I had some too. I met some younger guys or they just looked older or they seemed more mature. And it's like, how old are you for 24 years? Oh my gosh. So it's like to really see like the certain expectations that we have around what it means to, you know, what a 24 year old man is looking like or, you know, um, how he behaves. And then what if that's not true? What if his soul is more advanced? And because that's oftentimes what happens, you know, that's when the younger men, when the younger men date you, the older woman, right? Mm -hmm. It's because like he is, he's more developed. I mean, I love to talk about it because I'm four years older than Brody. I mean, obviously not such a big deal, but still like something where I'm like, hmm, it's, it's in my energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so in your book, Revising Mrs. Robinson, what are some of the in a way, you say like three things that, that people are not really aware of when it comes to ageism in relationships, like blind spots people have, and maybe not even aware of when they enter into a relationship yeah. with, you know, in the man's case, the, the older girlfriend, or with, in a woman's case, the younger boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that aging is such a tricky issue. I mean, let's be honest, every one of us is doing it, right? We're all getting older, <laughs> whether we want to admit to that or not. But it's just not something we really want to talk about a whole lot. And we really don't necessarily want to have conversations about how identity might change with age and different life stages, but it does. And I think women are kind of ready to have that awareness of how does my relationship in my life reflect on me and, and how does it change how I see myself and then how does my own self-identity change as I maybe go through like motherhood and career and you know empty nest and all those different stages of life. So I'm hoping that my book can at least initiate some conversation around those things. And I also hope that it initiates more conversation about cultural sexism, because even though women have made all these strides, we have access to education, we've had the right to vote, we have these careers, we supposedly have all this power, mm -hmm. and yet women continually will disempower themselves with the messages that they loop in their own heads, or with the messages that they maybe allow their their peanut gallery, as I call it, you know, friends, colleagues, um, well-meaning loved ones. Um, and, and a lot of those messages just really don't serve the individual. So it's my hope that women can at least look at their choices and say, okay, here's the lens of ageism and here's the lens of sexism and what do I want to let in and, and is this information skewed in some way by one of those isms, by one of those biases. Mm. yeah oh, that's so interesting I feel it really brings so much awareness where it's almost like the people who who seek out those relationships they're really seeking out that this comes to the forefront versus it just being hidden you know and not knowing it's there but they don't have to really deal with it because it's not really in their face versus you know when you date a younger guy it's okay 
you know, it's a different experience. People are like, oh, what? Your husband is four years younger than me. I have this other friend with a seven-year difference. There's like a 12-year difference, another girlfriend I have. And it's a different experience, you know, to also see like what the friends of those particular uh, partners say, because they might be more immature. It might be more like, oh, dude, it's not, it's not ready. You're not ready for a relationship or you know, and when then what, what the girlfriends say of the older women, oh, you just have a boy toy. And there's like something so disrespectful, mm-hmm. I feel. So can you speak more into that where people are just kind of trying to put it in categories? That's what I see over and over again when there's like big gaps. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite sayings, and I used this in the book, it, it's a quotation from Satchel Paige, who I believe was a baseball player. And he said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? <laughs> and I think that's a great way to frame it because we all know people who are maybe old souls in young bodies or mm-hmm. middle-aged people who are still very juvenile and immature. And there's a big difference between biological age and chronological age. I mean, in this era of health and fitness and nutrition, you can have a a 50-year-old body with a 40-year-old sort of vibrancy and level of vitality because you low stress and you sleep well and you eat well and you don't smoke and those kinds of things. And vice versa. You can have a 30-year-old body, but if you're abusing that body, you might look and feel 40. So. I encourage people to think not just about the age that's on your driver's license, but really the whole package, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual age that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so good. Yeah. I mean, here in California, we know that, right? But everywhere else in the U.S. and the world, yes. like people are not so aware of that. Here, it's like, I remember when I dated and I was dating those guys and I thought they were maybe a couple years older than me. And then it turned out to be 50. And I was like, you are how? Because he said, like, I don't tell you my age because you are going to run. And I was like, oh, he's probably like, you know, a little over 40 now. It's like insecurity, whatever. And, and it's true. It's like, you know, you take such good care of yourself. And my friend is the aging backward mentor, right? So she <laughs> even has like those philosophies of how to really age backwards. And I'm mm-hmm. like, God, this is the era that we're living in, right? So what would you say are some of the, you know, tips that you would give women who, you know, who are drawn to younger men or who actually just happen to be drawn to this one younger man, but now what do they have to be aware of and what have they, what can they create for themselves? What space can they create that that's sort of like, it's a health, it's not a healthy, but kind of like a safe relationship and that not the outer sort of like stories and, um, and dogmas. Uh, infiltrate the happiness of the relationship? Well, you know, I would tell any woman or man of any age who is single and really looking for a partner to think about what are your values and what is your lifestyle? Because that's what you want your significant other to share with you. It doesn't matter so much you know, you like pizza, I like burgers, whatever. But what what it really boils down to are do we have compatible value systems Mm -hmm. and day-to-day lifestyle? Is that something that can mesh? And so if you can can say yes to those questions, you're a lot more likely to be able to kind of gently, kindly, but firmly put up that defense if you're having some criticism from the outside. Hey, listen, um, I'm happy and he's happy and here, here's our commonality in terms of values and lifestyles and we are simply enjoying each other in this moment in time. Ah, oh, that's so good, right? 
And what would you say for them to build their confidence? Like, especially for the women who are more focused on the other person, like other focus versus self-focus, right? What would you tell those women? Because, you know, I feel like women are definitely suffering more than men when it comes to like intergenerational dating, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assumption. I mean, when I did these interviews with these women, some of the messages that they would repeat to me that were in their heads, I thought a man would never think that. A man would never say that. A man wouldn't even be slowed down by that. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. you know, then my research kind of went into the area of confidence. And, and this is probably a whole other topic that we could unpack in a whole other show um, because there are just so many differences in terms of the male and female brain when it comes to confidence. And even if you look at some of the most accomplished women in the United States, the thing that, that they all have in common, that we all have in common, is every one of us has probably had a crisis of confidence at mm -hmm. some time or another. No matter how successful, how smart, how beautiful you are, you've, you've suffered from that, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing that, just knowing that, that message of you're not alone, I, I think is one thing that those women can give themselves the gift of. It's just recognizing that, okay, this is a, this is a new situation for me. I feel a little out of my element, but I'm going to allow myself to be supported. I'm going to reach out for some resources and support where I can get them. Maybe it's my book. Maybe it's somebody else's book. Maybe it's a podcast like yours. Looking for that information. And then ask yourself the question, who am I and what do I want? Independent of anyone else, independent of age, bodies, status, or class in life, who am I? And what do I want? That's a Deepak Chopra question. He taught me that. And, that, and you should ask that in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, at every stage. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, now we go in existentialism. Right? <laughs> yeah. so in India for a few years and be like, who am I really, right? <laughs> right. And, and that's so interesting that, you know, no matter where we look at, any isms will bring that out, like the identity question. Right, because like the isms, like the sexism, the ageism, all the isms are is from society, mm -hmm. and has yeah. really it's such a separation from identity, yeah. right? Um, I I mean that's that's what I really see. So, do you have like one story of a client where you really have like worked a dramatic shift for her, where she was in a space before that was maybe disassociated, or she wasn't owning who she really was in the relationship and owning that she wanted to date a younger man or anything like that. Yeah. Well, so there's actually a, a story that kind of stands out that, that predates that. And then, and then another one that's more to your question that the, um, I remember hearing a minister tell a story and, and this really laid foundation for me. He was an African-American minister who had grown up in New York city during the racial unrest of the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And he shared how just walking down the street, just being out and about, he felt almost by osmosis, he absorbed some of the cultural racism and institutional racism that was around him. And so it was that sense of, I'm not good enough, I don't belong, this world doesn't belong to me, these things aren't accessible to me. And I realized when I heard him tell that story, bells went off and I thought, 
we as women may to some degree also absorb by osmosis some of those negative messages about who we're supposed to be, what our roles are supposed to be, what is appropriate and inappropriate for our behavior and our relationships and our sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I felt like that was it. And that's in my book. And I felt like that was an important story to share because so often we have these knee jerk reactions of, have I lost my mind? What am I doing in this relationship? Without asking where the knee jerk came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I have had, um, you know, I, I take on all different kinds of clients, not just older women and younger men who are dating, but I, I have seen some, um, some people be able to make more space for more options. And that's really all I can ask of them is that they, I, I don't tell them you should be with this person or you shouldn't be with that person. I don't should all over them. Right, right. <laughs> they do that on their own. <laughs> um, but to simply say, you know, I, I invite you to consider this and this as a plausible relationship option or what would happen if, and I have seen women grow from that, just from that um, kind of letting go of all of the control that they feel that they have to have and all the rules they feel they need to follow. And it's very freeing. And it's, it's, it's really so subtle, right? Because when I met my husband and I found out that he was four years younger than me, it was like, oh, that's kind of cute, right? And I wasn't really like taking, taking it seriously. I was like, you know, this guy's like, he needs to play the field and I mean, there, there is like a lot of assumptions and you're so right. Once I gave myself that space, I actually saw that, you know, he is already way ahead his, his body age, you know, his chronological age. Like he's like spiritually so far advanced, more than 40 year olds I've dated. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, when they were like 10 years older than me. So, so I really saw like to really look at, and, and I feel like that's what you're really saying is what do you really want like the benefit the benefit versus the feature right that we think like oh the feature is the age so yeah. he's gotta be older or he's gotta be this or that and unless he's that then i can't have the benefit behind that right mm. and to let go of that and that's what you did with your clients i like the way you phrased that i hadn't thought of that that wording but that's really powerful language features versus benefits i like that right so it's like marketing we market ourselves all the time right yeah. But when do we let go? You know, nobody wants to hear the features. I mean, unless you're like a scientist or something, but everybody's just, what's in it for me? What's so great about that? Right. I don't care that, that you can drive, then you have a bicycle in 21 gears, but what's so great about that? Oh, I can get a hill easier up. Okay. Now I have a benefit. Right. And so I feel like that's what you just described with, with that scenario, with that space. Yeah. Very nice. So we're like, we're coming to an end. Um, so I'm sure a lot of like, because this is such a juicy and like kind of edgy topic, right? Where people want to feel like safe and, you know, so the women who are really like, gosh, this is really something I've been wanting to address, right? And I really would like to connect with Susanna about this and explore this further and see what's there for me. Like, what's a good way to, to contact you or what, what do you have for them? Well, they can certainly connect with me through Facebook and they would just look for The Date Maven on Facebook. Uh -huh. I also have a website that would have some information and that's thedatemaven.com. Revising Mrs. Robinson, the book is available on Amazon if someone feels so inclined to check that out. Mm -hmm. and 
you know, you mentioned that it's a, a juicy topic, but I will tell you, Antia, that I, I really wanted, I saw that other books in this space and on this topic had the juicy factor covered. And so I wanted to balance out some of the juiciness with some really um, clear, concrete principles and strategies and thought prompts that mm -hmm. people could and so it wasn't just sort of another, you go, girl, go get them, go get yours, get that pizza, whatever. <laughs> Not that <laughs> no, I've read those books, right? <laughs> those articles already existed. So, so I hope that this is in a little bit more of a mindful space as people approach this topic. Absolutely. That, that's what the listeners know, like when I say juicy, that's, that's what I mean. That's like, oh, good. Okay. That's the auntie language, you know, that, it's, that it is new, right? It is cutting edge and it's, it's looking at from a different perspective. So awesome. So the date Maven, so you can find Susanna on Facebook or also get the book Revising Mrs. Robinson on Amazon. Which I, you know, I'm going to get right now for a couple of girlfriends. I so great, like awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Susanna. And do you have like any takeaway for the listener? Just something they can grab until they they have the book. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I would say that if you if this is something that is resonating with you, if it's speaking with you, um, I, I have some videos on YouTube that are also available. That's a good way to get some information um, just in some bite sized type pieces. You probably have some great videos as well. And that's just kind of a way for people to get the appetizer before the main course. And, yeah. and I, would, you know, I would say, too, um, we really keep ourselves locked down and in, in almost like a, I don't know, kind of a shame state when we don't talk about the things that are really important to us yeah. and of all the people I've worked with from 20 something to 70 something that's the number one barrier to people's happiness and them getting what they want is when they get really uh, repressed by their own shame shame that I'm not good enough I won't be loved I'll never find someone what if they find this out about me so when we can break free from that then we can truly make the best decisions on our own behalf about who to love and be loved by. Oh, I love that. And of course, the, the, the opposite of shame is exposure. Absolutely. So it's like what, what you talked about. So, so awesome. Absolutely. I love that you addressed that last piece because especially when it comes to ageism and sexism, there is this layer of like subtle shame and we find reasons why we don't talk about it. But really when we look underneath the hood, it's because of the feeling and fear of inadequacy and this warm shower of shame that so many of us are, you know, we know that feeling and we do to avoid however we can, right? So I'd, I'd love to speak to that and know that you are safe space for the listeners to, to contact you, especially when you feel that shame, mm -hmm. to contact Susanna for that. <laughs> awesome, awesome, Susanna. It was great to have you on the show. Again, this is Antje Boyd, founder of Find the One Elite. This was our episode for today. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.